0: Hola amigos, bienvenido al podcast I Get Buckets. Mi nombre es Simón Harrix. y soy su antifrion. And welcome back to the next edition of a special series of podcasts looking at the fantasy draft review for the I Get Buckets League. We have done two others and now we're into our third podcast of the series looking at teams who drafted five and six So we are going to do the exact same thing going from player to player from the first one that was drafted to 15th of their team and give my more simple kind of reviews maybe than the last podcast trying to keep it within the hour so everyone can kind of listen and and get all these podcasts done before we launch into tip-off next Thursday. So without any, um, I guess more weight we're going to launch straight into the fifth pick of the draft and team Aaron and Blake are dog shit so no team update yet so from from now we I might just refer to the team dog shit and I can say off the bat that both Aaron and Blake not in the team is a big success story already I think for for, for coach here so looking up and down the list I think this one's a great one to talk about as we are shooting for the stars here with a lot of players. It's um, in the face of, of, of some of the, the more safe drafting that we've seen for a few of the other teams. I think this one is awesome to talk about and can go either way with things pan out. But I think straight away off the top pick five, Nikola Jokic, um, the one that had to be had here. I think we already talked about the hardened problem um Yesterday or on podcast number two of the series, and, and James Harden will we'll come with the, the the back end of this podcast. But I think it was an e- easy decision, I guess, here for coach that once the other top four went after, um, the, I guess, the draft board, and if you didn't want to deal with James Harden, then Nikola Jokic is clearly uh, the next best prospect here. Um, I think after a slow start last season, we saw just how devastating he can be in fantasy, and I think we're only going to get um, a better kind of look at at uh, Nikola Jokic. His average of thirty point two last year, when you look at the you know the back end of the season, was was much more healthy than that. Um, you know, upwards towards what you know you you were getting from Luca and Anthony Davis and Carl Anthony Towns really. So, for to get him here, he you know I think in my mind rates. Quite similar than uh, all the the players just that were aforementioned. Um, he has another gear to go, especially if um, you think he's, he's getting in better shape. Um, I think the Denver Nuggets have also, you know, obviously shooting for uh, an improved season, which would mean finals destination for them. Um, and Jokic is in the centre of it all. Uh, obviously the passing, the rebounding... Um, I guess he's defensively maligned a little bit, but, you know, he's his hands in the lane, his steals are actually quite healthy for a big man and really gives you a boost. And, you know, the three-point shooting hasn't been great, but the fact that he's willing to take them and, you know, he, he can hit them if he's wide open, it just spreads everything out from the floor. We all saw how, you know, good he was in playoffs and... He is an absolute gem and someone that needed to go in the top five and to get him at five is, is a real good building block for your team, of course. So, all great there. Moving on, the next two picks are where I want to talk a little bit more in terms of shooting for the stars. So, we have a, um, a great pick if he's going to be everything that has been promised for Jason Tatum at number 16. So... I think your everyone's expectation of Jason Tatum is that he has the tools to be a top ten player in the NBA and maybe even higher. I think MVP, you know, potential has been thrown about, and when you see glimpses of the way he's led the Celtics, um, and you know, just the, I guess, every element towards his game and what he can do with the the, the basketball. Obviously, he has the handle. Um, you can get to his spots. He can stroke it. He's, he's got he's got everything there to, to really, you know, fulfill, you know, the the lofty expectations and destiny that everyone's gonna put on Jason Tatum. So it's all about whether it comes together this season and if it makes his fantasy value worthy of taking him at pick sixteen. So he averaged twenty four point three last year and I had him quite high on what I thought of my big board because he is an X Factor player and one of the few I think on um everyone's big boards that you could potentially have that Luka Doncic type um leap or I know we're going a a while back now but that was that Russell Westbrook or Kevin Love when you know players go from the the fringes of you know being great to you know being a top 10 fantasy pick for, for years to come and He's one of those players that really could do that. Um, I can't speak highly enough of, of what I like for him and he has, you know, the Celtics team being his own this year. Um, but, you, you know, you, you're banking on that expectation by drafting him 16. I think he is probably, you know, early compared to a lot of people's big boards. I had him at number 22 um, and I guess the only reason there is, you know, by drafting him at, at 16... You're you're saying that players like Bradley Beal, Kawhi Leonard, uh, Russell Westbrook um, are all uh, are players that you'd you'd rather have Jason Tatum over, and I think it's a, it's a, it's a fair gamble. But I do, you know, it's a miss of me not to say that you know there's definitely inherent risk in it. You know, we see that while he has everything um, to put together to you know have a fantasy game that you know puts him in the top fifteen, top ten. Um, players, you know, we we haven't seen it yet before, Um, we've seen him you know, go stretches where he really um, doesn't impact the games like you think, you know, your best player and MVP um, guy needs to, so there's you know, there's concerns that drafting him at sixteen that there's a world where, you know, he, he's he's not as good as um, Bradley Beale and, you know, Russell Westbrook and the guys that I just said. And if you're gonna draft him here, you know, he, he, he needs to take that leap for, for you to, to, to compete with a lot of the other people in our league. So I think he's a I really wanted Jason Tatum on my team and I think everyone in the league really would have, and looking at him uh, to take a leap this year, I think, is is, is smart. But it, it is worth saying that 16, I think, is genuinely high compared to where other people would take him. I would love to have had him um, in, in round three or, or later in round two. And maybe, you know, that's just cutting um, cutting airs there because we know that, you know, you want your player that you want and Jason Tatum would have been on dog shit's big board for round two and then if you if you pass on him here there's no way that he's falling to your next pick um, probably in round three so I think I think it's good he'd love to do it but you know you're tying your stock to, to Jason Tatum this year so he needs to have a big one for you and I think a lot of what I said can be similarly echoed in your next pick uh, for number 25 with Jar Morant so um, big leap this year expected for JAR. So I think, obviously, um, a fantastic rookie season, only missed out on one vote in what would have been a, a otherwise unanimous uh, Rookie of the Year campaign. Um, and obviously, like most rookies, you know, picked up speed a little bit more on the back end of the season. Um, Memphis Grizzlies, are, um, I guess, you know, outperformed expectations last season, and there's, a I guess, a feeling that, you know, they might slip a little bit, but that's not to say they they don't get better. I'd be more that teams around them get better, and that you know at the heart of this is is Jamarant getting better, and his average of nineteen point eight last year is you know improved, and we always say almost like third year um, leap. But Jammerant is is that good that you know it's the uh, if you could you know what I mean always he made the leap immediately playing, but the second year leap will be you know hundred percent there for him. The concern is that. Obviously, at pick 25, um, again, <laughs> you're, you're really banking on, on, on a player like Jar Morant, really moving into the upper echelon, you know, top 20 um, players in the NBA, and, you know, he's, bra- he's bringing his fantasy average with him. So, 19.8 last year, I really think if, if everything breaks right, you know, you can have an amazing player that's averaging, you know, upwards of 25, um, and I think it's, it's a fantastic pick. I, again, echo the exact same things as Jason Tatum is, you know, I had him on my big board at, at pick 38 and that's because um, there's other guys that, you know, are a little bit ahead of him in terms of, you know, a little more of a track record but um, have shown us that they're more fantasy reliable and I'm talking about guys that, you know, got drafted after Jar Morant in terms of Brandon Ingram, um, even Paul George, Demitri Sabonis, Kyrie Irving, uh, for one, I know there's injury concerns there. Donovan Mitchell, there's all these guys um, that you know to, to draft ja Morant here. You you really want him to to, to finish ahead of, of of these guys in in fantasy points. And I guess the good thing I think Jarmarant's gonna gonna play, you know, basically every game if he can. There's no real injury concerns unless he's gonna. Break a wrist while he's trying to dunk over someone, which I think a lot of people were, were concerned about in his rookie year. Given he has absolutely no fear, but the wraps on him leading Memphis this year, the fact that he has something special, um, that real kind of hybrid point shooting guard where you know time slows down a little bit for him when he's holding or running um, some of the plays, and you know he kind of gets to his spots a little bit and and, and really you know get buckets. And as I said, just dunk over people if he needs to. I think he's a, an absolute, um, I guess, fixture in, in um, everybody's rankings moving forward. But is this the year, again, with Jason Tatum that he moves into um, you know, your top 20 players? And um, I think there's a lot of stock that he has to, to put in there. And I, I, I love the pick, but again, if I you know, want to be true to my big board, and look at all the other players that I had ahead of him, I would have, again, loved him. Around later, um, I mean, you know, I had Brandon Ingram who went um, three picks later as as 25 on my big board. You know, I had him 13 points ahead and that's because we saw he averaged 24.6 last year and we won a leap from that and it's just, it's a little bit safer to, to know exactly um, what you're going to get because you've seen it before and that's not to say that, Jar isn't going to do it, I mean, I had him so far ahead of a, a lot of other people that, you know, had averages much higher last year, and that's because you're expecting a, a, a big jump, but, um, Aaron Blake, uh, dog shit, I you really need a new team, because I'm, I don't want you saying that every time, because it's so outdated, um, and not really that creative, we must say, but, <laughs> um, yeah, you've gone twice in a row with with, with guys that, you know, you're reading your team back, uh, complete huge assets, and I love it in terms of your risk, but you, they need to deliver because you've gone so early. But that's fine. I reckon um, there's a lot to say that they're, they're going to be some of the, the better NBA players um, this year. But, again, the consistency needs to be key. We we all know that Tatum and, and Ja Moran are going to be you know, the best player on the court, you know, in a lot of their games that they play, if not most. But when you have the, you know, the down games and potentially his shooting's not there or, you know, we saw, you know, Tatum going absent and Morant's, you know, only a sophomore, so they're going to be scouting him a little bit more. He's the head of the team. Um, are, they, is, are they not going to have enough down games to make sure that overall your average stacks up with the guys that you passed on? And bang bang, we go next to John Collins at pick uh, around four and, and pick thirty six. So John Collins was absolutely fascinating this year for a number of reasons. Um, I guess last year he was also fascinating, fascinating, basically because he you know he missed the first um, twenty games, was it? I think with uh, PED. Um, Found in his blood and <laughs> a suspension, obviously for for performance-enhancing drugs. But when he did come back, um, obviously the average for for John Collins was 28.5, which is elite and you know putting in the upper echelon of you know top 15 guys really in the league. But the concern with John Collins is around some of Atlanta's acquisitions in the off-season. Obviously, Danilo Gallinari. Um, potentially comes in to play a, a real kind of similar position um, a lot of the young guys that they've drafted there's a little bit of confusion about a leftover kind of like a wing scenario especially now that Bogdan Bogdanovich is there you know if they do go smaller what's the blueprint you know does John Collins move to the five or you know is he a little bit out of the rotation you know they have got to have to make a decision about his rookie scale contract and you know paying him a little bit and I know that's a little bit up in the air on, on what they think that that his overall value in the team and, and how he contributes to winning and, and how he fits next to Trey Young and if they you know if you know compellers more, I guess, you know, a traditional big and they go Danilo and, and where does that place John Collins? There's there's a lot of question marks and I think in the wash um it could pan out and, you know, a twenty eight point five Average is hard to, to see him exceeding, but you know if he gets his, his same you know allotment um, of of minutes, and we see him you know playing the pick and roll game, that there's a real chance that um, you know Danilo Gallinari is maybe not as um, I guess you know successful as, as what people were hoping fantasy you know Clint Capella could really make uh, a, a drop. I know he was added late in the season and didn't really play. Um, but you know, if he doesn't really come in and fit the role that John Collins could be the same fantasy person that he was, and you know, to get him in round four, um, based on the average, um, you know, is potentially a steal. But there is the concerns, and that's why he kind of fell down people's draft boards. That he's not going to be the same player next year. There's a real kind of concern that he's not as good. Real life basketball than he is fantasy, and that's always a concern um, for coaches. That you know, when your real life impact to winning and in what your role is in the team, um, you know, can can outdo what your your fantasy projections are because you're not getting the rotation that that you want um, from from John Collins. So, these are questions and concerns. Um, I think that it's it's a risk, but you know, I think if it pays off, um, you almost had, you know, regained some of the ground or, or some of that star quality that you could have potentially, you know, lost if you've gone early with, with you know, Tatum and Moran. And if, if all three of these kind of ping the way that um, coaches is, is hoping, um, you have a, a, a really huge um, launching pad for your team if, if, if this goes well. And John Collins can, can get anything near what he was last year, Um the, the team's looking super dangerous already. So um, we'll see which way that one goes. There's concerns, but I think you were a little bit safe to let him drop to, to 36. I had him as 34 on my board and 100% happy with you letting him slip a little bit um, and then and then getting him. So I think <laughs> this time, instead of going early, you've gone a bit late and it fits into the, the blueprint moving forward for the few other picks. So... Like that one. Uh, Drew Holiday next at pick 45 um, is interesting only because always players who get traded in the offseason are, you know, a little bit interesting in, in, in that aspect. I think Milwaukee is probably a, a really interesting scenario. I think they've obviously headhunted him, um, the Milwaukee Bucks, because of what they think he'd be the fit um, next to uh, Giannis and obviously as one of the more efficient and better defensive players for for the guards. So it'd be interesting to see if his averages for points kind of remain where they were. I'd be a little bit concerned that that some of the stuff trend down a little bit um, in terms of of, of some of the the rebounds and points. Um, But in saying that, that's only because... um, Obviously, Giannis has to eat, and there's, there's there's quite a a depth in the bench there. But I think overall, you know, Drew Holiday has shown that he he, he fits his game in around um, the scenario that he's in, and he's he's been so versatile that I think it's a, a real safe pick and, and and one that you'd you'd hope can really stack up to, to what you're doing moving forward. Um, where I have him? I have him on thirty nine on my big board. So obviously a pick forty five. I think that. He's a good pick. He averaged twenty two point nine last year, and I think there's every you know reasonable scenario that he does similar. Um, I think you know depending on on who was else was there for you left. Um, here we go. You know immediately got drafted before Capella, Wall, Montrezl Harrell, Harrell, sorry, Deva Haywood, and to be honest, out of all those. Um, he's the only one that doesn't have a huge, huge question mark on him, so I think it's probably a good a good time to, to go safe, um, even though it's another guard. Um, um, I'm not too worried, his dual position, and um, it kind of sets up uh, the rest of um, what you're doing in, in your next few rounds. So, all good for Drew Holiday. Next, we have pick 56 in Julius Randle, and another one with huge question marks, but one that I think um, has been taken in in, in the right space. So pick 56, I had him at pick 58 on my big board. I know he was one of the reasons why my team fell apart last year because I took him in round three thinking that he would be the only person in New York City. For the Knicks, that would be really fantasy relevant Um, and he'd just kind of um, come to eat. But watching him is one of the most frustrating things Given his inefficiencies, um, shooting the ball, um, his turnovers, his his I guess ability to to just give away charges by barreling into guys, I think it'd be really interesting to see what New York Knicks are, are kind of doing and building and, and what kind of Obi Toppin really yeah I think is the, the long term power forward position there and how they're gonna to work um, everything around him. But in saying that, Knicks are still really raw. Um, they don't have a guy like, you know, despite drafting RJ Barrett and Obi Toppin, you know, they haven't proved to, to, to be the guy or been able to handle being the guy yet. So um, by default, almost Julius Randle is the most seasoned um, player and fantasy asset you'd think on the team, which is scary to say the least. Um, and there's a chance that this goes wrong. Um, but I think for the most part, it's, you know, you're going to see that the highs and the lows, he's going to be inconsistent. There's going to be games where, you know, he's your standard, you know, 20 and 10 guy and, and that's what you'd hope. But I mean, there's a worry that some of the the rebounds were just easy counting stats before. And when they get a few more, you know, real basketball players on the team, depending on Mitchell Robinson and his trajectory, um, that again, Randall is, is, is a high risk player and a lot of question marks. So, in that, I, I, you know, I think it, it was right to let him slip. Um, there's, a, you know, a possibility he would have gone earlier. But um, you haven't let him slip too far down, I think. You know, as I said, I had him very similar on my board, but that's not to say that I really would have wanted him there. He's a hard one to own. Um, and if things don't break as, as right as you want with John Collins and potentially Moran Tatum taking the leap you'd want... Um, he might be a hard own for you, but it's um, another another one that I think you know. If things break right, um, the team's lining up kind of really well to be a real threat moving forward, um, and on their day could 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 beat any team in the the league, and and that's what you want. Obviously, you want consistency, but um, and I'll talk later about about what am hoping for my team this season. But the fact that you believe that when you restart a, a week regardless of what's kind of happened that you've got the the talent on the floor to be able to to take down anyone's a a nice feeling and and something that we're getting from this team so far um next pick at 65 Tobias Harris is (laughs) another um one that I think is probably you know staring at people giving the average of 21.3 in what everyone says uh, you know not a great year last year in terms of philadelphia basketball but we know that tobias harris is a um you know a a player that, that fills up the sheet um track record wise um it's just really his fit with philadelphia he's almost been the the whipping boy um on the past 12 months and that really is because of his contract and the ridiculous amount of money that they paid for him to stay um but I mean, as I said, he has a twenty-one point three average, and if he's anything better than that um, for for you at pick sixty-five, then you know it's it's you're stoked. I I had him at um, number fifty-seven on my big board, so I had him one ahead of Julius Randle, but both of them kind of landed there with the anticipation that, again, as I said with a few players, that the average is too good for, for it to let it pass you, and is one of those guys that you have question marks and you draft and then, you know, six weeks in, you're like, you know, is invaluable for, for you to get someone this late that, you know, has a 20-plus average. Um, but again, the question marks are, are rife on, on Philly and what they're doing this year. And if they're really, you know, investing a lot in the, you know, the shooting lineups. So I'm not sure if Doc Rivers um, has, you know, envisions a different kind of role for, 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 for Tobias. Um, but, you know, I think... Less might be more for him this year, and that might not necessarily you know, be a bad thing. Um, it's, it's hard to project too much more on Tobias. I think it's fine at 65. Again, would have loved him a little around later. I don't think I would have wanted him to take much earlier than that um, or this. And, um, But, you know, if it, if, it, if, it, if, it, if it breaks right, it's fine. Um Next pick at 76 is another real <laughs> um, shoot for the stars sleeper guy in terms of Tyler Hero. So I think he's probably accumulated a, a few of the the biggest ones, or um, I guess uh, I'm not sure what like stars started, but like almost overhyped guys in fantasy a little bit. And that's not to say that they're not overhyped for good reason. As I said with Jar and Tatum, I think there's every good reason that why you know you need to reach for them um and Tyler Hero has a bit of that flavor as well given that you know last season obviously his rookie year he was feeling his way through um he was a fringe player I think um he probably stuck on a list the whole year but you know he averaged 12 and um you know that really puts you in the back end of the draft and and what we've seen in in playoffs is is why you know we're, we've got a whole lot of stock on, on, on him and, you know, the guy that he was in playoffs um, shows us, you know, the guy that he will be this year. And I think for nearly every reason, I think you'd, um, you'd expect this to kind of happen. I know preseason is only preseason, and they were missing a few guys when Miami played their game a couple of days ago. But I was really impressed um, by the way he was handling the ball, I think, that was a real kind of area of improvement for him in terms of not being just a, a pop-up shooter and he had to take more of the load in the playoffs and obviously we saw some of those fantastic games with him filling the stat sheet but also he, he, his dribble was a little bit loose and a liability and um, you know he was getting pickpocketed especially in the Celtics series um, a little bit and you know he, he book ended a couple of his great games with you know games that are a little bit more average and what he needs to add, and what I kind of saw from his preseason is, is the handle was a little tighter. He was, he was, you know, using his his three point threat um, as a way for him to, you know, pump fake and burn around screens and, and really either sucking people in and, and kicking out to the corner. So his passing was really fantastic. I think last year and, and even the playoffs a little bit, we saw that he was looking for contact, and when he got to the the rim, he kind of just flicked the ball up with no intention of it going in, and he wasn't really getting those calls. Because, you know, everyone could see what he was trying to do. Um, I think, you know, if he has more intent going to the basket, we know, um, you know, he has the English and and the capabilities to be really uh, a a savant and and really fancy with um, having the touch to finish. It's just, you know, doing it through contact a little bit more um, consistently and, um, you know, making a more well-rounded game. I will say I had him at 85 on my big board. So, again, if you want to go by that, it's early. But, of course, you can only put so much stock in, in, into where I've kind of got guys, and it depends on how you built your roster. I think he can really have a, a jump. Um, his average of 12, obviously, you need to throw in the bin. I don't know if there's enough of, you know, the ball and the stats for, for Miami and him to be consistent enough to make his average, you know, push over 20, I think the educated kind of guess is that, you know, he's a lot better this year, um, and, you know, he, he, you know, has those real big 20 games, but overall his average, you know, sits around that 18-20 mark, but there is a scenario that, you know, we had one of the coaches in our leagues, you know, say, you know, Steph Curry arm ceiling for this guy, and if things things do break that way... um, You've, you've got a, a real asset on your hands. I know I made the comparison, you know, when he start breaking out. I'm like, maybe it's more of just a buddy healed kind of guy, but he's better than that. And we know he's better than that. Um, but how much better? Um, again, it, it's slightly risky. It's one of those sleepers that, you know, you take thinking, okay, he can, he can change my, my whole team if, if things break right. And um, he definitely could. But uh, we'll wait and see. Next pick is OG Ananubi. And I think um, I pick 85. It's um, a little bit early for me. Um, Only because, you know, last year he was incredibly frustrating (laughs) to own. A guy who would never, ever miss an open three point shot. So reliable. But he'd have games where he seemed, as, as soon as he had a light kind of, you know, contest. Um, he couldn't buy one. I'd, I'd love to see the stats and dive deeper on some of those splits. But um, what you're going to get from Ananubi is nice county stats. You know he's going to pop in. As, you know he's going to fill the whole box score. Um, but you are going to get games where um, you know he's got more rebounds than he does points or field goals made, and it really you know hurts you. He, he averaged 15.5 last year, and two years in a row. I thought you know he's going to be taking the leap. Two years ago, I almost thought, you know, he was the one over Siakam. That's really going to do, but obviously there was, you know, out with injury. I think um, he had a death in the family, which is, you know, obviously sad, but, you know, it impacted, you know, his preparation and and run with, um, and then the year just almost felt like a write-off, and and last year, again, we thought he'd make the jump, and while he was, you know, quite good, he's just, I don't know if, you know, he's hit the ceiling on what he can be fantasy-wise, and, you know, Toronto have, quite a few you know similar mold players or guys that um, can can probably be more impactful fantasy wise in terms of Norman Powell um, and that that you know, OG you know his defense and, and things that he brings to fill out a starting five doesn't translate a little bit um, I had him at 99 on my big board um, I think 85 is early um, again I see a see a scenario where he becomes a real more consistent contributor for you, and hopefully you know he can he can be more of that eighteen point guy, um, but you know I, th- I think fifteen point five average last year. There's every scenario that it's you know it's fairly similar, and if you get that, it's not something you want to you want to go and pick eighty five. Moving on, ninety six is RJ Barrett. Um, I think there's a, there's a world that you. You can buy into this pick a lot more than Julius Randle at 56. Um, again, asterisks of preseason, but some of that has looked fairly um, interesting. The issue is, um, and for someone who did own him again last year, the, the shot was broken, um, and he he would have games where he would shoot his, his score... Um, to be a complete non-factor you know quarters where he was on eight and then at half time he's on three he needs to be better um all the raw kind of talent is there i thought it was um probably a mistake that he wasn't in at least the the second rookie team i think he showed enough from that i think the knicks have seen enough that um you know he's he's the the best asset that they have on their, on the team really But, you know, obviously things didn't look good out of the gate and things didn't get um, crazy better. Obviously it came together a little bit at the end, but, you know, your your season's cut short, you know, the Knicks aren't in the bubble. Um, For a player of his age, um, obviously you'd think that his skill set and the improvement from, you know, March uh, 2019, or 2020, sorry, um, to now is is, going to be, you know, um, obvious and, and, and... Evident and to get someone who could make the jump at ninety six, I think is is a smart um, pick and, and, and someone that I would have. I think I think it's co- it's quite good to kind of add to your, to your list here. Um, I had him ninety seven, so there you go. <laughs> um, I think I think it's a fine pick. I don't like having two Knicks on your team. Um, getting flashbacks of you know owning Julius Randall and Barrett both last year. Um, there might be difficult owns um, there's a there's a scenario where the Barrett pick kind of turns bad um, and you know the the articles and, and and the Twitter talk you know start coming and getting a little bit louder to to know whether i j Barrett is actually any good and I think if I was betting, I think it lands somewhere in the middle and that's a sitting on the fence thing but I think as the roster's built, he's, he's, he's going going ham, and I think there's there's definitely a scenario where, where RJ Barrett at least because he's on the Knicks and the Knicks suck that um, things are gonna gonna be okay, but let's fuck let's really hope that he can can shoot better because um, some of the splits last year were were so frustrating, um, but yeah another second year player. Next is P.J. Washington with pick 105. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's quite unsexy. I think there's improvement to be had with the Charlotte Hornets, but um, I'm a little bit concerned that P.J. Washington was almost a, a rookie stat, bad team kind of guy. Um, you know, Gordon Hayward and Lamella Ball coming in I know he plays, you know, the power forward and depending on, you know, the, the roster of what they're setting up, he probably still gets, you know, a minute allotment. But, you know, if, if Miles Bridges is, is one that you know, takes a little bit of a leap, I just think some of the, the opportunities for the counting stats are, are going to go down. I think he might get looks, he might see him score more points, um, but really how he's going to, you know, contribute into a fantasy acquisition or, or a real asset for you um, by taking him pick 105, I'm a little bit down on, um, don't mind the player, don't mind the team, I think everything is, is, is together for him, I just, I just think at pick 105, it's quite early, I mentioned Miles Bridges and then he takes him two, two picks later and I think I kind of like that pick more, um, at 125 than I do PJ Washington at 105, um. And then again, having two two Charlotte players, <laughs> having two Charlotte players, and there's an argument to, to to say that these two Charlotte players aren't in the best, you know, three or even four Charlotte players. I don't know. We'll see how that that pans out. It depends on your um, opinion on on, on Rogio, who I know went undrafted in our league. Um, but you know, it's a little bit concerning. But at least you got them in your last um, five picks of the draft. Um, but yeah, I think there's every scenario. PJ Washington ends up in free agency if things don't break right, and it's it's not what you want from from you know your fifth last pick. But on the other hand, I think a very very safe one is Aaron Baines at one hundred and sixteen. I think that's fantastic in the mold of what I said about Mason Plumley um, in in the previous podcast. I think. He walks into uh, the Marcus' role, and obviously they're they're different centers. Aaron Baines, you know, is is a more um, bang and crash kind of guy. Physical has shown that he can really shoot the three at a um, efficient rate. He's not the the rim runner alley oop guy that Mason Plumley is, but in terms of pant a fantasy aspect for fulfilling a void and getting starting minutes as center and you know feeding off some of the production from from the guards in, in boxing out and finishing tip offs or alley oops or or any of that thing, you know Aaron Baines has you know his walk in um, potential there on on the team and um, obviously. You know, we saw at Phoenix when when DeAndre Aden was was suspended at the start of the season. He became a real, real consistent asset for for fantasy teams. So I don't think there's really anything to say that he won't be again. Of course, there's the question mark that you have on every player that you draft where you haven't actually seen them play for the for the team. Um, whether. Obviously, you know, another team is drafted Chris Boucher and if, if they've got a feeling that they might go small and play him a little bit more in the middle, but I think it's a safe pick and it's it's someone that, um, you know, I had it, um, you know, locked in to, to to eye off in the back end of the draft. Um, you know, potentially you could have gone in a little later, but I think, as we've said, you know, people are savvy enough to, to jump on these guys late and especially if you're staring at your board and there's no real guy that... You want to roll the dice on, then um, I think it's safe. Miles Bridges, we did mention at pick 125. So I won't say again, but you know I think he is one of the guys that could take a leap. And um, if you have Washington and Bridges, maybe you hope that one of them sticks, um, and then and then um, you could be more flexible with the other one, and and you're covering your bases a little bit. But I think I think there's a little bit more upside with Miles Bridges, um, only because I think. He's not as reliant on points maybe and, you know, his, his defensive stats, he has everything there to, to really push it, you know, over a steal and a block a game if, if things kind of um, work and, um, you know, rebounding in points. Um, there's just, there's something there. Um, it's hard to traje- um, project uh, Charlotte Hornets this year but it's worth a risk. Um, next at 136 is Eric Gordon <laughs> and a guy that... I wouldn't be surprised um, if his team is Eric is dog shit um, within two weeks. And that's being kind. I mean, I, I really like Eric Gordon and his contribution to winning um, and his role with the Houston Rockets. And I think he's he's more, you know, valuable to, to a team in playoffs for, for their build and everything. It's just we've seen in the regular season Eric Gordon um, hasn't really been a player you can rely on. He'll... he'll Hundred percent, most likely be in free agency at some point, um, and then rotate through three or four teams. This is just the blueprint for him. Um, he's almost like a mercenary, um, uh, gun for hire, um, and he's only getting older. And some of the play that we've seen, you know, in the back end of last season and, and even playoffs, don't project well, I guess, for him. But you know, I, I I still think he's a really handy player. You know, potentially, you know, another sixth man kind of scoring guy um, that could be valuable at the end of your bench, um, but, you know, you're going to get weeks where, um, he's awful, and we know coach doesn't have the patience <laughs> for some of those guys, so, um, we'll see, very, very last pick, 145, um, savvy pick, Tyrese Halliburton, I think a lot of people would have loved him in the last round, but, um, coach here was the, the one that to, to, to take the gamble, and, um, I think he's a real outside shot of of being a rookie that you know can can produce and stick on on a roster, and that's because again the Kings are weird; they have a lot of moving pieces. Um, but he's listed here as a point guard, which is you know it's it's the it's, it's shooting guard position that I think you know is his pathway to fantasy success, and that's because as I said, uh, Buddy Hield, um is maybe not good, <laughs> and the the Kings I don't really know where they are with. Um, Buddy Hill then if if that scenario blows up a little bit, I mean, obviously, I think Buddy Hill's the a lot more safer fantasy um, player. But your pathway for Tyrese Halliburton being, um, uh, you know, a producing rookie is if things go weird and they end up starting him early in the season, and and he really, you know, uses a lot of what the the tips are on him coming into the draft. That you know, he's a good you know decision maker and you know, his defense will, will get him into a position where he can potentially, you know, get um, drafting, um, you know, counting stats. And um, I guess if, if they have him, you know, as, as a point guard, um, then maybe he can relieve Darren Fox a little bit. But we'll see. And, you know, again, last pick, if someone else, you know, pops from free agency and you got to make room, he, he's probably one of the guys. But, um yeah, there might be growing pains early um, and he's one of those guys that if he sticks around in a roster it could be really beneficial for you late but you may not be able to, to have the patience but it's worth a roll of the dice especially when it's the fifth last pick of the entire draft. So that is um, team Aaron and Blake are dog shit picking at number five. I think overall... There's a huge amount of X-factor here, star potential, that if the stars align, he can really, really contest for a playoff position. But things need to go right. You did pass up on, you know, the more safe um, options. I know we, we've we said before, you know, there's different strife strategies and, and other teams have, have gone a lot more safe and there's, there's some teams that really haven't, you know, balanced it, I think, but... Um, but, you know, if things break right and you need to take the risks, especially uh, for coach who, you know, hasn't seen the playoff glory, maybe this is the strategy you come in. And if, if Jason Tatum and John Morant become, you know, top 15 players, and they, they definitely can, um, you know, and Tyler here, you know, shows us that the playoffs was, was just the beginning of what he's doing, I think he could be really, really interesting And, you know, if OG and Anubi and PJ Washington and others don't pan out, um, being a little bit savvy in free agency, this team could really be up there. But I just would say, you know, uh, yeah, this this team is going to be called Julius and Eric a dog shit within three months. That's my bet. Perfect. Um, So next we're going to move on to the team who picked six in the draft and that was yours truly so this review is going to be a little bit different obviously, because um it's almost like my thoughts on the players that I I've taken but I mean I think I'm I'm quite critical on my team and I know you know picks that I like and picks that I <laughs> woke up in the morning and said that one was a, a probably a mistake I went too early and I'll just give a little bit of my analysis and thoughts on the players and then I guess everyone can um See if they agree or disagree on a few things, but there's there's really interesting things to talk about and concerns that I have. Um, and I mean, we we start right at the top with um, James Harden, who went number six, and obviously um, we mentioned and you know it's known, but uh, getting picked four in the draft and trading down to six was almost purely because um, James Harden wasn't a player. That I, I wanted to take it for, and it might sound stupid because you know the difference between four and six. You're still tying your hopes to um, a player of, of of that color, but um, and it goes a little bit in the face of what I said I wanted to do because last year um, you know Steph Curry was was my first pick and, and injured, and things went quite wrong. So I wanted to to put together someone in the first round that I can you know could just completely bank on and, and, and you know walk into weeks, like I said earlier in the podcast, where you actually have a hope, which was not a lot of weeks last year, given um, the injuries and the the poor production of a lot of teams. But in saying that, um, James Harden has finished not only, you know, top three in average, but if you go back, you know, top two, and then even, I think, top in in the past few of the seasons in terms of total points scored. um, Not the Giannis couple of years, but before that. Because he doesn't miss games um obviously his average last year was 34.6 um, it's when he when he's you know in his traditional role he's doing everything that we've been expected um you know he's he's potentially a better fantasy pick than than, than donjitz davis um and he's definitely a better pick you'd think than karl anthony towns and jokic obviously the huge question marks are on his commitment to the rockets um his, I guess, plan moving forward. Obviously, whether he's in shape, showing up to camp, his interest levels, um, whether he's going to get traded. Obviously, I think ideally for his fantasy value is if he, you know, he stays at the Rockets, he buys in, he does everything that he's done for the past three years. Um, I do think that if he gets traded, it slightly impacts his value, but I think for someone of that quality. Um, depending on the, the situation, I think Brooklyn's probably not great for him, but he'll still be you know amazing. If he, if he goes to Philly or if he goes to any of these teams, I, I, I really think his value's at the same point. Um, I think um, pick six is enough um, for me to, to say, okay, you move back for a reason. That's not to deal with it. And if James Harden's still there, then you'd be silly not to because the picks after that do not have the ceiling that James Harden has. Um, and if you want to use you know, a pick six, you want to get your value for being in the middle of the round and not being scared. Um, and then you know, picking someone like we saw, you know, who goes seven or eight in terms of your your LeBron James or your Steph Curry, only because there's a little bit, you know, of course your marks on them too. So you might as well go with, with James Harden. And I, that's not to say that I'm super scared, <laughs> given I still have flashbacks of what happened last year. But I've, I've, I've become more comfortable um, with the pick and I guess one of the reasons why um, I, I wanted to move back to, to six was was thinking that um, on the way back, I wanted to be able to, to pick out of a few players and, and one of those players was, was Zion Williamson. So I've taken him at pick 15 and I guess the concern was that uh, in my mind, he he was one of the few that I wanted that might not be there at seventeen, and I guess there's no way to tell uh, without asking a few of the other coaches that that drafted. You know where he would have landed, but I was very comfortable to take Zion here. And again, you know, there's an element of 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 risk, and I was a little bit surprised to to think you know people were were thinking this was a little early. I guess that is because you know there's there's still. You know, a little bit of concern on injuries, um, but I, you know, I do think he, in in the same vein as Jason Tatum, um, but more, I guess, safe. Um, I think in terms of his leap this year to be a top ten player. So I think, you know, his base of what we saw last year and his average of twenty five point five was was only you know the surface of what he can do. I think, you know. Obviously, you know the skill set in terms of someone being so big and strong and dominant around the rim um, is is something that you know almost hasn't been seen in the NBA before. Um, and I'm I'm more than happy to hitch my wagon to him, and I think he's going to be absolutely devastating. I think um, they're going to really build, you know, the Pelicans team to to um, work around Zion. I I'm you know there's question marks around Stephen Adams and and some of the fit. I thought you know obviously. Um, favors was, was a better kind of fit than than a traditional big like um, Stephen Adams. But I think they're working out. I think we will see the Zion doesn't really need space to, <laughs> to kind of um, start playing bully ball. I think, you know, with Lonzo Ball and Ingram, um, there's a little bit of um, chemistry there, and we'll see how Eric Bledsoe goes. I just think he's going to be absolutely devastating this year. Um, I had him at 12 on my big board. So to get him um, at 15, I, I was happy with. Uh, you know, I really only had him behind the likes of, you know, Lillard, Durant, LeBron, Ben Simmons, um, who, you know, are real your fantasy elite. And I think, you know, Zion, if things go right and things go the way I'm hoping, will be, um, you know, a top seven, top eight player next year and for years to come. So to get him, in, in my eyes, might be the last time you're ever going to get Zion in round two for the near future. I was happy to do, um, and we'll see, um, this is, you know, assuming he's healthy, but, all reports are that he's in the best shape he's been in a long time, so, perfect, Zion Williamson, um, next for my team, we go, Demaitis Sabonis at 26, so, it was a a fairly simple kind of decision there, only just because he fell to me, um, in terms of what I had on my big board, I had him at 23, so, um, I was probably hoping, you know, someone else from, from um, you know, the team would have would fallen. I really wanted, you know, go Bear or even DeAndre um, Aiden, but, I, you know, I thought they were really going to go early. But Sabonis has shown, you know, he's just reliable. I think he's the best fantasy player for, for the paces. I think he's rebounding uh, numbers and he's, he's kind of post moves are real. I think there's real question marks over Turner and the fit and that there's just a pathway for Sabonis being everything that he was last year when he averaged 28.7. So um, if he can, you know, replicate that, I'd be absolutely stoked. And I think for round three, um, you know, me telling myself that I want to be a lot more, um, I guess, safe and banking on, on things um, up early. I think he, I really think he's one of the more bankable fantasy players. Um, so happy to go in here. The next one... Um, was was the the first kind of feeling that you know people were like oh, okay good pick with De'Aaron Fox um in round four uh, so um I guess he went uh thirty five and again I was hoping maybe someone else would kind of force me a little bit more he was thirty two on my big board so I'd, I'd be happy um to get him but um obviously really really um hoping for a leap forward with with De'Aaron Fox. Again, I said, you know, the Kings are weird, but they're, they're weird outside of Darren Fox. You know, he's their man. He's got the, the max extension. You know, he scored over 20 points last year, and, I you know, he was 20.4. That, you know, I'm really hoping goes up. I think his assist numbers go up. I think while they're weird, you know, the Kings are, you know, wanting to make playoffs. They're, they're not in it just to, to make the numbers. I think some of the, the chemistry and, and fit issues are, are weird, but if, if things come together, Fox is your guy. You know, there's a real potential that he's, one of your most improved if the Kings are winning games um, in the mould um, of, you know, I guess, your Ingram last year in terms of, uh, you know, potentially making an all-star game. Um, I just, you know, he has that potential and I don't think anyone's arguing that. It's just, um, you know, is he is he worthy of a, a fourth-round pick? And, you know, there's, there's potential that he's not. You know, John Collins went straight after him, Pascal Siakam after that. Even Demita Rosen and, and, and Chris Middleton went, you know, later this round and, you know, 100% there's every scenario that, you know, these players finish with a better average than Darren Fox. He's 22.9 last year isn't what you want from your, your round four player. You want higher than that, so um, like some of the other players, um, I said, you know, you're drafting here banking on um, a leap and the leap you get will, will really kind of determine how things go, but happy, happy, happy to, to, to get him and I would have loved him around later, but um, my hands were almost kind of forced, and I don't think it would have lasted. So, De'Aaron Fox, pick four. Uh, The next one is the first one I was like, uh, I'm quite concerned about, and that's Clint Capella at pick 46. Again, I think one of the reasons why I took him is because, you know, he's on my big board at 36 at 27.7, so by the time it rolls around to me, um, it's kind of staring you in the face a little bit, and, you know, that's purely based on his his average of 27.7 um last year um obviously you know moved to atlanta didn't really get the chance to kind of show but i think he's his and i'm hoping his his point um you know total as as being you know that traditional kind of big rebound um you know he's a little bit savvy around the ring he's not going to you know dazzle you with post moves but he's got he's got a like a, definitely like a base of, of, uh, of work that he can do if you want to chuck the ball down on I mean, him. I'm hoping you know some of, the, of what we saw with you know Trey Young is real. Obviously the concerns I have with John Collins and the rotation do linger over to Clint Capella. I have a bad feeling that this is one that can blow up a little bit in my face. but you know if he if he falls into the role that he's done you know in the past three years and, and, and what we've expected from Clint Capella in the NBA, pick, pick, um, 46 is is as late as, as he's gone, um, in a long time, um, and anything towards, you know, last year's average is money, so, um, I'm concerned, um, about it, I think we'll get a bit of a feel, I, I I do think he's a player that, you know, his role may go up and down in, in the season, but, um, he was that far higher on my big boy than when it came round. I think that um, the upside was, was too good to miss out on, and I'm happy to go him there. Pick 55 is a very similar vein in terms of Kevin Love, and I was really tossing up between Kevin Love and LaMarcus Aldridge at this pick um, for kind of a, a safe guy that you know put up 22 to 23 last year. I think Kevin Love's underrated with what he can do. I'm concerned about his longevity with the Cavs um, only as they look more younger. Um, you know, I, I don't think he's getting traded anytime soon, although, you know, that might be the best thing for him, um, given his contract. I just think, obviously, the Cavs are looking younger and there might be coaching decisions that, you know, overall dis- diminish the, the fantasy potential of what Kevin Love could be in a, in a scenario that's different. Um, but in saying that, you know, before his Cav days, you know, he was a top 10 fantasy pick, he has all the tools you know, and efficiency, you know, for the shoot three, his passing's been great I, you know, while he does a, a lot of the rebounding below the rim, he's always really done that um, it'd be interesting what the numbers are with Drummond, but um, I think if anything it's 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 still, you know, a safe baseline for Kevin Love if he can keep healthy, and I think an average of 22.4, I think is is completely bankable um, I do see a scenario where it slips slightly, but in my opinion, I don't think it's going to slip that much as long as he's on the court and he's playing his minutes um, and there's even a world where it goes up. So to kind of um, grab him at pick 55, um, I, I'm not too, too angry with that, um, especially when there were other decisions afterwards like Julius Randle that I just didn't want to deal with. Um, obviously, you know players like Wendell Carter um, and, and Mitchell Robinson who went later in the same round... I think, have a lot more upside and could have definitely been somewhere I, I, I went instead. Um, but again, I think I've, I've, I've gone the safer option and that might be silly, but in hindsight, it might have been the right one decision because the next two picks of mine are... Hail Mary um, home runs, and sorry, not home runs. Just hail Mary, hail Mary swings. I like one a lot more than the other one, and I think the the opinion in the league would be that one's definitely much better than the other <laughs> in terms of family p- potential of the day dot. But um, the first one is round seven in pick sixty six in Michael Porter Junior. So with uh, MPJ, I guess he was one of the more interesting. I know I've said, and in the in the lead up to the draft, I think we said this was one of the more um, crazy drafts that we've done in a long time in terms of really question marks and and, and not knowing to to fix players to certain scenarios. Obviously with KD returning, um, I know Christian Wood we spoke about, and it falls in a little bit with with MPJ here as well with a, a real. Um, I guess optimism from my part and in drafting him here and what he's gonna you know be as a fantasy player. So we see last year, um, I guess you know him coming back from injury and, and only averaging ten point three across the board is is again similar to to Tahira. And you you throw his average out because we're all talking about what is he gonna be with Denver, and I think taking him at sixty six is a real, um, I don't know if you say reach, um, almost, but it's, it's picking him with a huge expectation that, um, he performs to a level that you think he, he really kind of fits into what he was doing in the bubble. Um, and more so the bubble than when he did in playoffs, I guess is, 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 is more the thing where, um, I know Jamal Murray missed a lot of games, but he kind of, uh, took over a lot of the offense and he, is, as we know, very, very confident uh, in his ability and his shots um, and whether Coach um, really wants to put him into the role to to maximise his talent and his potential. And we all think that Michael Porter Jr. is really that X factor that can add a, an element to Denver's play this year that really lifts them above where they were last year. Uh, I think in terms of, of my kind of reviews and where... Um, I was thinking with him was the fact that, you know, they've lost a little bit of their depth, but but he comes in as as someone that really picks up the slack. And obviously, we think he starts this year and he gets all of the minutes that you would hope um, he could to, to maximise his potential. And I think with him, what was last year and the, the real back end, because he, he became, I guess, fantasy relevant in a couple of weeks before... Um, the world started to end, and that was, with me, a lot of his counting stats, so even if he had um, areas in his game where he kind of disappear, and he, he wasn't as, as involved on the offense, you know, he was averaging, you know, seven, eight rebounds a game, um, he was being really dynamic on offensive rebounds, and, and some of that putbacks, he was running the floor, he was finishing plays, and I think if you can add to that you know his real um, confidence in his offensive game. Um, you know to take a lot more shots to, to take it off the dribble. Um, it could really pan out in a big way, and he might be one of the the players in his whole draft that that you know ends up being uh, most improved. And you'd hope so, given he averaged ten point three last year. But we also saw the real um, rough edges of his games in, in in the playoffs, and I guess his determination to potentially do a little bit too much. I think. He has a real tendency to, to be stripped of the ball I, without being you know in the, in the sanctum of um, what the Denver coaching staff are doing it just felt that some of the things were at odds with, with what they were recommending it was well documented uh, some of his concerns with his minutes um, and his role in the team and, and as a coaching staff is something you really don't want to, to hear someone going out and complaining about their role but because of, of, of what he can do um, I think if everything pounds right, you know, there's a, there's a scenario where, where Michael Porter Jr. is, you know, a, a better, you know, fantasy player than, than Jamal Murray, even given that, you know, Jamal Murray, I've, I've owned for a few years now, um, I think back to back, and he just, there's there's concerns on, on what he can, can do fantasy-wise. I know he averaged 19 last year, um, and we saw that he's the man. I think he, he's potentially more of a better basketball player, obviously, but... It's just one of those things with 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 teams, and you look and there's examples across a lot of teams where they they could be better fantasy than they they are in, in real life, um, and I think the, the world of what he can do, and but I, I just I also think that his game translates well um, to fantasy, and I had him fifty two, and I had you know, uh, you know trepidation taking him with this pick because I was I was really. Um, you know, curious where other people would rank him, and there's a there's a chance that this pick really tanks. Um, We're no no um, disillusion that that's a, a distinct possibility, but I think the upside is so raw that you know he he really can can move into a top fifty player um, at the least, and and the sky. is not quite the limit. There's definitely a limit on his game, but he's just one of those guys that I I think could be worth the risk and i've gone there and i feel a lot better about that risk than i do that my next pick um of lamella ball in round eight so um pick 75 this was probably the first one where i got a lot of shit pick um comments and they're probably not without um reason i think so uh i I go back and forth with this one, and I think where I've landed is I'm not so much as as panicked, but kind of looked at the list and said I, I really was stuck with with someone that I could be excited about at this point in time. Um, I know right after went Tyler Hero, and um, in in a good I guess experiment, looking at the end of the the year, who averaged more, I'd even put my money on on Hero at this stage. So looking at that, you know, makes me a little bit worried, I just think with LaMelo Ball, it, it, it's the X factor there, um, I think it's early, I think it's early, I think it's going to come back to potentially hurt me, I would have loved to take him a couple of rounds later, especially when I, I look down the list, and, and then guys that I quite liked, um, you know, that went after, like, you know, 30, or oh, 20 picks later, you've got Kairos, Levert, um, similar, you've got Laurie Mark and. Then, um, even even Brandon Clark around later the, the guys that I had very similar on my big board um, that you know I potentially thought I could get later that I might have should have gone instead I think with LaMelo Ball there's you know a long long list of concerns obviously the shooting is right up the, the top and he didn't you know to dispel any of these concerns in his first preseason game, um, without scoring and shooting, I think it was about zero from ten or whatever it was. He had a little, you know twelve points in his second game, and there's a little bit more there. Um, I just the the X factor on Lamella Ball is, is is hard to kind of put into words, but without watching him play, I think there's there's an excitement to to what he does, the, the rawness and like um, I guess feel for the game, the IQ and the passing. Is, is something that it's hard to quantify and not what you see with a lot, a lot of rookies. And obviously, the Muller Ball is probably one of the most, you know, high-profile um, rookies that we've, you know, ever got. Um, and I think having him at 64 on my big board originally with an asterisk on him, I must say, is 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 maybe um, a, a mistake on my part. And we'll see. But I think the reason he was there was not to, to take too much from his NBL season, but knowing that he was, you know, a standout player, both in fantasy um i guess and you know you could say some of the impact on the court is 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 um debatable but i do think and they, they score fantasy different obviously but there's something about him that if things click the the players around him are going to gravitate him to him I, you know his rebounding for a six seven point guide is um is fantastic he he, he plays what feels like almost like a selfish fantasy game and I'm happy for him to do that, obviously. Um, I d- yeah, the shooting the shooting's a real problem. I'm going to have to roll with the punches. I think I might get weeks where it's looking really, really bad, but the expectation is that he, he rises a little bit to the top because of, of everything, the intangibles that... You, you kind of get the feeling of when you when you watch him, and I think there's going to be games where you know he's got you know six seven rebounds, six assists at halftime, um, and and there's there's something to work with there. And I know we've seen rookies who go late and then you know finish you know borderline top fifty, or or even in the last five six rounds when when it starts to really matter, their role has been so solidified that you know it it looks like um, yeah, really really good. I'm trying to pump it up a little bit, knowing that um, it could really be a turning point for my season and um, put a real dent in, in what I'm doing. Um, I do think I panicked, but I'm talking myself into it. I do think there's an upside. Um, I think it was a, an absolute mistake to take him this early and maybe two two rounds later was, was the smarter um, road, but... Apart from Tyler Hero, I just remember looking at my rankings and and being a little bit worried about someone that I really wanted to pick um, in this round and the other the other player that I was I was tossing up in ended up being my next pick and that was uh, Kemba Walker um, with pick eighty six um, and the biggest thing with, with Kemba was obviously the injury um, he's you know only just kind of coming back to to doing shots um, in training and. You know, the time frame is probably, you know, mid-January, which I would be surprised is bang on. I, I mean, I'd expect maybe it'd be a little bit later, which, again, um, is a little bit worrying. And, and I said, you know, instead of going Walker, I'll go ball and then hope that Walker's on the way back. And he ended up being there. So in that um, scenario, um, at least the strategy worked. It's just <laughs> you could say that both ball and Walker are, are not players that you want. Um, but in my mind, Kemble Walker, when fit, um, doesn't excite you. But he's a he's a he's a top fifty player. Maybe he's only forty to fifty. But when when he's playing in his role um, and he's healthy, he just seems to you know churn out like a, a, a twenty average every year. He had twenty point nine last year. I really think the floor underneath that is not much lower. I'm not sure if there's really much of a a high ceiling above that. But if you if you you know, turns out of twenty, um, and he's healthy and he's playing for me. Um, I think pick eighty six looks great. I had him at fifty six on my big board, and that's why I'm going to try and bet that my team this um, year isn't completely capitulated by round six, and that <laughs> Kemba Walker is going to have a big um, role to play in my team. Um, anyway, on to pick ninety five, and here I took Thomas Bryant. So. Um, I think I might have said on the night, um, everything for the for the four picks before, or even the six picks, if you go back, um, didn't go my way. So if I would have loved to see if Walker would have slipped even further, because between Walker and my pick here of Thomas Bryant, guys that I had quite high on my board in terms of Brandon Clark, Bogdan Bogdanovic, Karis LeVert, um, Marvin Bagley, and, and Larry Markkinen. Um, and they're all teams that I'm, I'm yet to, to talk about, so I'll give you my thoughts on them later. But Larry Marketing especially, I was I was ready to kind of pick, and then I had to to, to talk on the, or think on the fly who to go next. And Thomas Bryant, um, I think, a safe person who's going to you know start center for the Washington Wizards, and it's going to be very similar, you know, to, to, to last year, and just churning out rebounds and, and easy points. He averaged 18 last year. I think he gets better. Um, maybe it's a blessing in disguise when, you know, we look at the end of the year and Thomas Bryant might be a little bit better than all those players I mentioned. I think he's definitely safer, so I reckon there's definitely um, a, a positive outlook for, for Thomas Bryant on in that respect. Um I just think the Wizards are a little bit funky this year. They've, they've gotten a little bit better and I think less reliant on maybe Thomas Bryant to drive some offence is a good thing. As, but even, even saying that, you know, he has shown to, to to extend his his shooting range and maybe pop out to three and if he can be a double-double kind of guy for me, um, I'm really happy with that. So I, I think in the circumstances, and all coaches would attest to, to having guys locked in their, their queue and then it all kind of falling apart, Um I think the way I kind of landed with Thomas Bryant, I'd be quite happy with um, at 95. So there we go. I think the next pick, uh, another interesting one, and I've I've gone kind of two rookies in three rounds, which, um, or four rounds, I should say, is is okay. And it all depends on the rookie, but Obi Toppin here at uh, pick 106. Um, This is... Probably potentially early. I know he went before the likes of, of James Wiseman and, and, and Anthony Edwards and and Killian Hayes and other rookies. And that's more me feeling that he's a lot more um, NBA ready moving in. And especially, you know, he played a lot longer in college. He's a little bit older. But also because of the role that I think he played for, for the Knicks. As I said, I have big question marks on um, uh, what's-his-face Julius Randall. Um, I really <laughs> have no stock in, in a few of the players being a real long-term prospect apart from R.J. Barrett. And I, I just talked about all the things I've, I've concerned with R.J. Barrett. Obi and I haven't seen enough to, to really um, get a get a real grasp. But from what I did know and what I've read and what I've um, kind of seen, like I, I think they might really give him a, a larger role if things um, go well and he could potentially be a guy who, who gets a lot of counting stats. Um and obviously, he was one of the, I think, behind Zion Williamson and maybe I can't remember one other guy coming out of college in terms of the best field goal percentage for a rookie. And I think it was about 66%. Um, so if, if he can just, you know, do things that, that work for him and, and top it up with, you know, a free re- few rebounds and best case scenario, he ends up, you know, really locking down a starting spot, I think. Uh, I don't think you start off the bat, but I think it's in the, in the same vein as lamello but a little bit safer both in his role and and what he does but also because i took him four rounds later um is that like i think there's going to be bumps in the road early i'm i'm not um saying that you know this is going to be much um you know good straight away but he if his role you know fits he could be really valuable later in the season like we see with a lot of rookies and i think the 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 risk might have been worth it at 106 i know um, other coaches sitting next to me we were talking about taking him earlier, but they never did. Um, and I just I, I I I kind of believe, and I'm I'm hoping to top on the top and train here. I think the price is right. Um, obviously, in the morning, looking at it, I'm like, oh, you know, around later would have been a lot better. I did think I picked him um, early, or or potentially when he was you know, only just starting to, to get on other people's radar, um, I have been 92, um, on my big board and that's me potentially overshooting some of the stuff and having him ahead of guys like OJ and Anubi and Devontae Graham and Dennis Schroeder and Buddy Heald all on my big board, which is definitely up for debate, you, I know a lot of people would disagree with that, um, but with rookies, obviously, it's kind of hard to pin down, and you're shooting for the upside. Next 115 is Ricky Rubio. Um, I just think it's a little bit... like I'm happy to, to, to pay the risk on Ricky Rubio. I feel more comfortable about this the next day. Um, I think potentially the Suns, he, he's... Um, I don't know, he, he, his safeness in his fantasy pathway to, to points is a little bit lessened with his, his role to Minnesota, but I think they brought him in with a real... Um, you know, potential to kind of fill out some of, you know, the question marks on, on the roster mix there. Um, I really think he's a more natural point guard, to, you know, compared to D'Angelo Russell. I really believe and, and hope that he is their starting point guard. Obviously, if he's not his the start, his starting point guard, things become a little bit murkier. But he averaged 20 last year. It was on, you know, 102 on my, my big board. I think that we've seen, you know, Obviously, in the past, there's weeks where it looks a little bit rough, but when things click, um, I think he's you know a more safe, uh, better player than um, Alfred Payton, and but that you know they have the the both those upsets in terms of they can fill um, the box score and they're real triple double threats when they get going, um, and obviously um, there's just there's just little things to like with um, Ricky Rubio. So as I go on my back end, I've I've got some problems, but Ricky Rubio. He's not one, and maybe that um, be careful, you know, kind of what you say in words to come back to hurt me because he might be on the free agency pile. I'm aware of that, but I like him a lot better than Harrison Barnes at 126, and he is, I think, one of my big mistakes in terms of liking a guy and, and just assuming, you know, on the back end of your draft, um, you know, after <laughs> many beers deep, just uh, making the mistake of, of linking, you know, past production to, to what he's gonna do or what he even did in the last, you know, twelve, eighteen months. And I like I, I I really like Harrison Barnes as a player. I think, you know, you saw his upside in team USA only in the World Cup as, you know, a dynamic scorer, he can work to the post, you know, he's got a um, a really reliable three point corner game. Um, there's just things that I think, you know, he's he's a winning player. But I think obviously Sacramento is a bit of a you know clusterfuck. It's weird. Again and again, I've been hoping you know for him to add both you know to his game other than scoring, and he hasn't. I think um, I should you know finally give up on, on that that it's happening. He, his reading of his average last year of fifteen point seven isn't great. I think for whatever reason, I kind of had him there, and he, he stuck out for me in the late rounds. But um, I'm I'm quite worried that, that this one. Is on the the free agency pile sooner rather than later and someone's going to frustrate me. I hope I'm wrong. But I do look at my list and um, wonder if anyone was actually even going to draft him, which I think is realistic to think. Next, I'm I'm happy to take Otto Porter Jr. at 135. I know he sucked last year. I know Chicago's a little bit weird again with their production. He was meant to come in and, and have a lot bigger fantasy role, but now with, you know... Larry Markin potentially taking a step. Um, there's, you know, other younger guys that they've, they've brought in. I'm, I'm worried to see if, you know, Patrick Williams, you know, starts and, and that really has an impact on, on Porter coming off the bench. But I I do think, you know, we're only a little bit removed from, you know, seeing an Otto Porter that was a really healthy fantasy um, player and, and, and one that can impact the box score without really impacting... Um, I guess other players you know potential and rotation and kinds of really fit into what they're doing Um, take the shots that are open um, and you know potentially him being off the bench isn't a bad thing as long as he um, I guess finishes games and plays a lot of minutes I'm happy to roll the the dice 135 on Otto Porter again might be in the um, (laughs) the trash pile um, by you know late January or even earlier but I think it's worthwhile, especially one what was left on the board with people going after in that round it doesn't excite me. And then the last pick, um, just kind of trying to to, to throw shit on the wall, see what sticks with Jackson Hayes. Um, I, I I'm I'm not that excited about it to be honest. I think there's a world where, depending on what Stephen Adams um, has, you know, to give. I think he's obviously a fantastic player, but he, he's blocking Jackson Hayes from really being a, a listable or um, rosterable player in fantasy. I think he's super raw, but we see some of the, you know, the shot blocking and the rebound and the alley-oops and the athleticness that, you know, has the the, the foundation of a, a really good fantasy player, but don't think the raw role was maybe there. I think it's really raw um, for him. I think like other, you know, younger players, but even more so with Jackson Hayes. I reckon the bad, you know, days and weeks are going to be awful. He might not even see the court as much as I was hoping. Um, but yeah, he does have, you know, that real kind of risk X factor and that's kind of why I'm at the end, you know, not caring as much as I should maybe have gone with, with Jackson Hayes and, and put a, a full stop on on the team. And um, I reckon, you know, we give him a couple of weeks, hopefully I'm pleasantly surprised, but I'm not expecting a lot. But that's it. That's the wrap-up. Um, we've got four more teams to go after that. So I'm racing through them as fast as possible because I know I want to get them done by next Thursday. So while I've got time, let's do it all. I think it was a fun one to do this um, this round or today for... for um, Coach Dale's team, I think it's really, really interesting to go through some of the decisions there and not have him there on draft. Um, we don't get some of the context around that pick, so it was even more fun to break down and, I guess, try to, to guess what he was thinking with a few of them. And then, obviously, for mine, I'd be really interested to to see some uh, polarizing uh, or, or different thoughts on on mine, and, and especially if you want to kind of come trash the LaMelo ball Um and didn't think I did it did that one as as negative as I should have. Um, given he was my team, then um, you're all welcome to to, to to go as hard as you can. Given I'm not afraid to do the same. Um, but you know, I tell you, this is the thing: if you if you want to say something bad, you got to open yourself up. And if he's any good, um, you'll be hearing from me. Anyway, thanks for listening again. I I, I don't know why I keep lying to myself saying that I'll get these under an hour because we're at 122 minutes. It's ridiculous. I'm sorry. But at least maybe you made it this far and you're enjoying it. And I've got two more to go. Enjoy the rest of um, the week until basketball is back. I love you all. See you next time.